All right, we're recording. Hello, Carrie Driscoll. Hello, Tori. You are, okay, so you and I were introduced Mm -hmm. through Jane Epstein, who's been on the podcast. Yep. And you, I'm really interested in you. (laughs) That's so weird to say it like that. (laughs) But I saw your story. And I was like, I have to, I have to talk to her. Um, And so I don't want to tell your story. I want you to tell your story and then I'm going to pick your brain. I'm going to pick the shit out of your brain. So tell your story. Take it away. (laughs) Fantastic. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I already love you, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So (laughs) on a cold winter's night, I was born. Just Um, All right. So I, in a previous life, I was a middle school math teacher. Mm-hmm. and um, met my husband at college, and he was a high school biology teacher and then turned weights teacher, football coach. We had kids. Um, I stay at home. We have a great marriage, great life. Um, I end up staying at home because we have two kids. Mm-hmm. I'm married to this life coach, football coach. It's what he does. He's a teacher. He's fantastic at it. Um, I do direct sales while the kids are little. We are busy because that's what kids do to us. <laughs> um, let's see. I started a video business uh, helping direct sellers uh, create like edited, fun, quirky videos to keep people entertained. That was lucrative and I loved it. And I dove and became a workaholic in it because I found value and uh, significance for myself. And I know by doing that, um, Eric dove deeper into football and football. When you're a high school football coach at a predominantly successful program, um, Kansas city, right. Or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. We're in South, South Overland park, but it's Kansas city area. Um, six, a school, very, very successful, he is well known. He's he's a young football coach. I mean, he's in his 40s. He's got a head coaching job there, and uh, he speaks. He used to speak at like conventions nationally. People would always want to pick his brain. He was an incredible human, incredible football coach. Called to do it, mm-hmm. and was happy to share him with the world because of the good that he brought to it. And it wasn't ever just about football. I was just and, about to say that. Yeah. Anyway, keep going. Yeah. <laughs> and and so, and I loved my role as a coach's wife, you know, right. and we're so proud of them. Like the kids grew up on the field. Like that was our second home. It was our life. Um, but I, I'm now a workaholic and finding value and, and loving that. And he's diving more into his work and the kids are now eight and 11 and, you know, we've been married for almost 15 years together for 17. And so we get on each other's nerves every once in a while. <laughs> we banter and it's like our form of foreplay and it's fun. And we're in this great relationship. But this particular day, I'm mad at him because he's not helping me move the bed in the bedroom. So that I can paint the fucking wall. All I want to do is paint this wall. Come what and help me dick. paint. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and, um. So I have this thought very clear in my head. And, you know, when you're married to a football coach, you know what you sign up for. Right. Um, he's not around a lot, um, but it's okay. He's doing what he's been called to do. Right. And uh, so I have this thought very clear in my head. And I think to myself, God knows if anything were to happen to Eric, it would be okay. Because look at me now. I'm doing it all now. Right. Oh, my God. Okay. Wow. It's, I'm embarrassed to say it's not the first time I had that thought. We were together for 17 years. Right. It happens. Yeah. It was the first time that I had that thought. And then two hours later, I got a phone call. Hurry quick. Eric's not breathing. And, um, and that's when it started. That's when the shit hit the fan. And I never saw him conscious again. So when he came into the bedroom, he was leaving for, for football. He was at the house all day. Um, he was leaving for a football meeting. I didn't even know what he would, he's going to football, you know, it's going right. football, whatever, right. whatever, just go. Whatever the hell he did. Yeah. He so he, so he stops in the doorway and he's like, 
hey, the room looks good because, you know, I'm painting. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, well, of course it fucking looks good. It's done. And I did it. Like, right. Right. <laughs> right. So, but then I, I, I said kind of in a snarky little way, you know, I've been thinking a lot about us. You know, in my mind, I just was thinking to myself because I thought as I was painting and I had that terrible thought, I thought to myself, God, Carrie, that was kind of shitty. You know, like. <laughs> right. But, but I can, I, I feel like you're not the you're not the first person I've heard has made that comment before. No, no, because we're human. Right, exactly. Because we're human. So, uh, so I was like, you know, I've been thinking a lot about us, and very gently, uh, he goes, I've been, "I said it not so nice," and he said, "I've been thinking a lot about us too." Eric and I would have been fine. We would have mm. worked it out. Right. Um, but the day that he died, we were not on our a game right and um i had a lot of regrets about that i was just about to ask you if you had yeah so he he said come on over give me a kiss and then he smiled really cute and uh eric had this way about him you just couldn't stay mad at him and so i came over and i gave him a kiss and um it was soft and it was lingering and it's the only kiss that ever mattered and it was the and, last uh, one, right? And it was the last one. And uh, he walked through the living room. I, I said, are you going to be home in time for Walking Dead? And he said, of course. And so I said, good. Because <laughs> he knows priorities. Re- really, right. I was just about to say, really, what else fucking matters? You know? Nothing matters. <laughs> we got to know what's going to happen with uh, Glenn over here. Right. Right. <laughs> and, uh, he, and he walked out my door. I uh, walked out the garage door. I said goodbye to the kids. And... Uh, Anyway, and so that was the last time that I saw him alive. And he, during his football meeting, he went to a couple of different places, but it wasn't until that evening that he was, you know, two hours later at a football meeting and he was speaking and addressing the group. And uh, I I was told by, um, I mean, I'm friends with these other coaches, you know what I mean? Like they're family for us. And he's talking to these other coaches and and, uh, he's telling them something about some program and the guys were like, we thought he was making a joke because he just kind of stopped and like looked down for a minute. And that is when uh, his aneurysm ruptured. We did not know he had one. He had a massive brain aneurysm mm. with irreversible and uh, instant brain damage. Because they were football coaches, they flew into action and gave him CPR. And that kept his body alive for three days. Um, oh, wow. And so until we pulled, essentially pulled the plug uh, because he was not coming back. Okay. I was going to literally ask, like, was it just that sudden moment um, or was he hospitalized? And okay. Yeah. So he was in ICU for three days on life support. um, And so he collapsed on a Sunday. By Wednesday, we pulled the plug. So February 15th, we pulled the plug. Mm. And then that's his deceased day, even though we kind of recognize the 12th as his death day on paperwork it's the 15th um so on wednesday and on friday he donated organs and saturday morning we had a celebration of life with over three thousand people oh in attendance goodness. and it was uh streamed virtually for people was that to the, watch. that was the video you sent me right that oh. was i think there was some uh there, there was a clip of me speaking yes yes so that was a portion that they had taken from the, from the funeral okay yeah now okay so my first question i mean regarding the situation is did that because you said you guys weren't on the best of terms and stuff mm-hmm. like that and like you could have been on better terms and yeah obviously had he come home that night you guys would have worked it out and would have worked it out but did that kind of change your perspective to, to think because I'm, I'm one of those people that thinks like I can't stay mad at people especially people I care about and I love because what if what if yeah. that person I never speak to them again you know oh Don't. you say that though Tori you say that we all say it we all say it right but in a relationship like that like I truly feel like we take things for granted mm. unconsciously we don't know that we're doing it Right. But Eric will come home and we'll watch The Walking Dead and we'll talk about the crucial shit, 
you know, on the next date and we'll schedule a date because we haven't had a date in a while and we need to prioritize ourselves as a couple because we haven't done it because the kids are keeping us too damn busy <laughs> and work, you know, and life and family and all the things that we should do yeah. that keep us from prioritizing us. And so, so you, you, right, you don't even think that something like that is going to happen. No. I mean, we have more time. Eric's only 43. I'm right. 38. We're young. And I think of that too, like that's, you were 38, I'm 31 now. It's only seven years, like, you know, from like, you know, and it's, it's like, you don't expect anything. We all expect to hopefully live until our late eighties, you know what I mean? We don't Mm -hmm. expect anything to happen in between that time. Um, And so now when that happened, was that what prompted you to to start doing the the grief work that you do now and the life coaching and stuff like that? What? No. Okay. So when that happened, mm-hmm. I died inside. Okay. Um, I could not return back to work. The, per, my professional life was a thing that I could not work out. <clears throat> and I know now it's because I was so wrapped up in my success and hitting the next goal and the hustle and all of that, Mm. that I think it it took me a while, but I found that I had contributed to Eric diving deeper. But what sucked about it was after Eric died, I blamed football. I needed to blame something because yeah, I mean you, cause you have to, you, I mean, so many, I'm mad at Eric for dying. How dare he do this? We're supposed to be a team. Where the fuck are you? Mm -hmm. You're supposed to help me raise these girls. I can't do this by myself. You're the better parent. You know, all of this stuff comes into your head. And then there's a storm and the tree falls down in the backyard and you're pissed because he's not here to help with it, help with it. And I told you two years ago to cut it down because it was going to fall. And now I have to do it by myself. So damn it, Eric. Now I'm mad at you, but I can't be mad at you because you're dead. So I'm going to be mad at football. I'm going to be mad that you spent so much time with so many other people's kids instead of our own, because I thought we had more time. I was happy to share, but I thought we'd have you more. So I, there was a lot of anger in my grief. (laughs) (laughs) Trust me. I know my, my aunt's story, my aunt Melissa, she's Mm -hmm. my godmother. Um, I might actually dedicate this episode to her because your stories are so similar. Two girls, husband who died suddenly, um, anger. Like my aunt is still angry. Yeah. Like, you know, she, she didn't, my, my aunt relied on him for so much. She she didn't drive. She got, had to get her license. And so like everything you're saying, I've heard her say. Yeah. Well, and it's weird too, because, you know, I remember like, you know, we'd have friends go through a divorce or something. And I'd be like, oh man, you know, she's really lost without her husband. You know, that's so sad. Like, I'm so thankful that I have my life and you have your life and we come and we do this beautiful life together. But you're so wrapped up in each other. When you build a life together, there's so much, there's so many reminders. Like we, we stayed in the home. Eric did not die in the home. And I think that I'm, I'm so fucking thankful that he did not die in our home where we found him, where the girls found him, you know, yeah. where I'd have a memory of that. Um, Cause that stuff's hard to not see anymore. Right. Um, there are, you know, there's a, a restaurant I've not ever returned back to. You drive by the hospital that you were in the, you know, for the first hospital that the, the, the ambulance took him, and you can't look over there. You know, you just yeah. get this pit in your stomach and in your chest. And uh, it, it's the hardest thing ever. But, you know, you asked about, um, you know, is that when I started doing the grief thing? Oh, I yeah, didn't know yeah. what I wanted to do, Tori. Like, I felt so lost. I felt so lost. I didn't know what to do. I just wanted to sit and be consumed by my couch so that I wasn't <laughs> here anymore. Right, right. You wanted right. to just kind of become the couch almost that type of yeah I mean and there there, I mean you would sit there and and wake up in the morning and you shower for the day Mm -hmm. and you might 
you might surprise yourself. Like I remember I'd watch a, I'd watch a movie and like, you know, the, somebody would cry in the shower and they crumble to the floor. Yeah. And like before I lost Eric, I'd watch this and I'd be like, get the fuck up. Like, you know, come on. Get up. This is so dramatic, you know. (laughs) Right. Like stand up, you dumb bitch. (laughs) Life's not going to get better on the floor of the shower. Gross. That's where all the gross things go, you know. Do you know how much bacteria is on the floor? You know, I, I was that person. Right. And then Eric died and this weight and this hole and leaning against the shower and crumbling to the floor was an everyday thing. So I'd take a shower, I'd get dressed, I'd put sweats back on and I'd go sit on the couch and I would just sit. And then I'd look at the clock and I'd be like, oh, five hours have passed. Hmm, I think it's time for bed now. Wow. that And that, how long did that last for that type of I don't even know months months that I can imagine months um okay well continue before I even go into my thoughts um um so so now you're harder harder than me feeling that was is hearing your kids right cry in the shower oh and they were opening the door and checking in on them and seeing your 11 year old on the floor in the shower and you know if if I tear up now like I've done some healing work and that's what I do now for work um, because I believe in this program so much and and that came much later and we we can get to that in a little bit but I, I consider myself healed from Eric's death and the pain of that. Now I don't, I I think of Eric every single day. I love Eric every single day. And every day I wish that he was here. I will never forget, but the pain is not there anymore. But when I think about Rachel sitting on the floor in the shower, you, you're, you'll never, do you think that's something you'll ever heal from? Cause I feel like as a mother (sighs) watching a child go through that, yeah, not being able to help your kids is horrible. I definitely understand that. That's like my, again, my aunt, you know, like, I don't know wait, how your daughters are. You have two daughters, right? Yeah. They were, they're 12 and 15 now. Correct. So when, when Eric passed, how old were they? Eight and 11. Eight and so 11. Third grade okay. and sixth grade. Okay. That's around, okay, so like my cousins were eight and six, I want to say. So it's, again, like very, very, very similar in the sense that my aunt watched my older cousin basically become like a mute for months, like didn't speak to anybody. You know, it's it's hard to when the kids go through that. How are they now, by the way? Uh, Well, 15. <laughs> right, say no more. <laughs> say less. Say no more. Fifteen looks like she's twenty-two. Uh, oh they're, God, they're doing great. The youngest has severe um, anxiety and depression, but oh. she showed symptoms of that before. But when Eric died, of course, it heightened. Right. She is still seeing a counselor once a week. Um, she took a little bit of a break, but then needed to, to get back on because she's super sensitive and that's fine it makes her an incredible human that she is but it's hard to deal with when your friends don't deal with that um 15 year old is doing great she compartmentalizes so she has about two massive dad breakdowns a year so i have to kind of watch for that um she opens up to me more now um before she didn't and she told me she didn't want to because she she didn't want to make mom sad you know Um, But it's also kind of cool, like the work that I do now, like we'll watch something on TV or something and she'll be like, I think she should go and see you, mom. Like, (laughs) (laughs) like they, they are aware of what I do. They watch my social media, you know, they, they listen to me talk. And so they're picking up on things, which I think is so incredibly healthy. So I'll hear her talking to friends and I'll be like, yeah, she got that from mama. <laughs> right. right. It's almost probably like she's self-aware of the shit that she does too. She's probably like, yeah, I compartmentalize. Yeah. Like she's probably aware <laughs> of, of that. And it's good that like, because there are parents out there who don't 
people, there are people, just not even parents. There are right. people out there who like say no to counseling. For some reason, counseling is a complete right. taboo. And um, I, it's fucking changed my life completely, yeah. you know? Absolutely. Um, so now, okay, so now here you are in this depression. Yeah. Dealing with your grief. Mm-hmm. What, what was the turning point, the climax? Um, I did... Well, I read everything because I'm a teacher. Eric's a teacher. Like, this is what we're students of life, you know? We're, right. So I was like, give me all the books. Give me all the blogs. <laughs> I got to read it all. I got to figure it out. I got a grief therapist. Like, I did all the things. I read all the things. I did anything to help me feel, do, be better. Right. And all of it helped for a little while is what I say. Because mm-hmm. it's true. Like, these things are things that we do to help us numb what we're feeling on the inside, mm-hmm. um, whether or not we do it on purpose or not, you know. Um, but we think we're, we're showing signs of improvement <laughs> because we're <laughs> acting like we're supposed to act, right? right. right. And the, the thing about these things that we do um, is that they're not bad things unless you're continuing to do them for the rest of your life to not feel what you're feeling on the inside. Right. Or if they're harmful or addictive. Right. Um, But they also can be good things because they give us a spark of joy. So like, you know, I'd never run a power tool. So, you know, I bought a 35 foot salvaged camper to rehab and now I have all the fucking power tools because (laughs) tell me that I fucking can't. (laughs) I fucking adore the shit out of that you literally you have a fucking camper in my driveway still I'm done okay so all right so I have this camper currently trying to sell because I was rehabbing it it was like therapy for me like it has served its purpose and initially when I bought it I thought I'm gonna you know we're gonna put it down at the lake and the kids kids and I are gonna go and enjoy it and get away and blah, blah, blah. But really I was in there hammering my shit. God damn you, Eric, how dare you die? You know, like right. pulling up the carpet. I hate my life, you know, like, <laughs> right, right. So, you know, we do these things that help us feel alive. Yeah. And uh, so I did all of those things and, um, you know, I really thought I want to do better. Like I want to not just sit and talk and fester in my sadness anymore. I'm ready to make a difference, like do something, like how can I do this? And I actually was looking into how to become like a, a grief counselor or therapist. And, and, you know, I looked it up and I was like, God, I don't want to do that. Like that's a lot of schooling. Right. <laughs> oh, shit. It's a lot nope. of time. I mean, I don't have that time. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> and um, but in my research, I discovered something that was called uh, the grief recovery method. Okay. And so being a student of life, of learning, being a teacher, I started diving, Mm -hmm. (laughs) started diving through all of that. And I was like, this is it. Like, you know, Eric being a football coach, I I remember saying early on, there's no playbook. (laughs) Grief. Right. No, there's no, there isn't. Yeah. And I was mad about that. I really hated that. I really like a checklist of shit. Give me a book. (laughs) I'll figure it out. I'll read my to-do list. This is how you do it. Check it off. And there wasn't that. And I was so angry. But, you know, I I found this grief is so different for everybody, because we are so different. And our relationships with our people and our and our lives are so different. But uh, when it comes to healing, there is a playbook to healing. And I think some people don't like to hear that because they they feel like their grief is tied to their person or their thing, and they don't want to let go. Right. But healing doesn't leave your person in the dust. Right. People feel guilty almost, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh Yeah. Like I remember when I started to feel better before I was healed, you know, I'd start laughing with my girlfriends and I'd be like, I'd stop because how dare I laugh? Right. How can I laugh and be happy when my husband is dead? Wow. That's, you know, that's a burden that nobody should fucking bear. You know what I mean? It's that's, terrible. That's sad. And everything, everything is a trigger. You know, like you, I went into Ikea. We were going to get new bed sets for the kids after Eric died. We went on a Saturday and we stood in line to pay. You know, we got all our papers. They're going to deliver and set it up for us because why the hell not? <laughs> and so we're standing there in line and, and it's just me and the girls, eight and 11 at the time. 
And on Saturdays in Ikea are the families. Yes. And all the dads are off work and they're at Ikea with their happy little fucking families. Yeah. Oh my God. It's so anxiety provoking, by the way. But anyway, continue. (laughs) So we stood there looking at all the dads in line. Mm -hmm. There's a trigger, you know, Uh, my daughter bought a car, you know, we have a car now for her. Her dad was not there for that. Eric was not there for her first kiss, her first homecoming dance, her first job. You know, they won't, he won't be here for the graduations or weddings or their children, or he won't be retiring. We won't have a retirement life and be grandparents together. And so not only do you miss all the shit and have all the regrets from the past. It's the future too. It's all the future too. Yeah. All the, all the unactualized future and hopes and dreams that you're not going to get either. And we sit in that and we're so fucking sad. And so that's why your heart has to become healed. And that's what this work does. This is what I do now, you know, and, and I'm proof. I'm proof. So I did this last Mm -hmm. February. So it's not even been a year. Oh, so, oh, wow. Okay. Eric, Eric's been dead in February. Eric died in February. It'll be four years in February. Okay. At the three year mark. I got certified in this program and I did this program and I'm not the same person that I was a year ago. A year ago today, I wasn't her at all. Do you, okay. Well, this brings me to so many questions, but okay. So you did, the, you did the program for yourself to heal. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and now you're saying, okay, you look back. Do you look back and you're like, I don't even know who the fuck that person is. Yeah. Okay. You do. So the other day I was in my closet <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you can tell so much about yourself in your closets. <laughs> so oh God. like I have the before Eric died clothes. Mm-hmm. I don't have the underwear cause I threw all that stuff out. Cause I was like, I'm getting new underwear. Not cause I was like, in a sexual thing, it just was like I needed to feel better, so I bought new right. underwear. I, a weird thing, I don't know. No, no, so, little quirks. I get it. Yeah, and so in my closet, I have some clothes that were before Eric died. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, which is more of who I am now, but then I also have clothes of my deep grief. Okay, like when I'm trying to rediscover myself or reinvent who I was without Eric, because Eric dying was horrific and terrible and it was a life-changing moment telling my children was a nightmare you did it you you yeah broke broke the news okay yeah but learning how to live again and figuring out who the fuck I am in Eric's absence by far has been the hardest thing that I have ever done in my life so I'm standing in my closet and like I you know leather jackets black leather motorcycle boots I'm like, I'm not that person anymore, you know? Right. But it wasn't me. I was trying to figure out who I was, you know? Like, it's almost like you're rediscovering yourself. Yeah. And so the person I am now is who Carrie was before Eric died. Parts of who Carrie was in deep grief. Uh Uh-huh. So it's kind of like you took the, would you say that you took the good parts of who you were in the grief, maybe the learning parts, the things that you learned Because I feel like, I mean, you could probably tell me better than I could say this or or articulate this, but I feel like I'm not, okay, so I've dealt with grief, you know, my uncle passing, my aunt's husband, he was like a father figure, my grandmother, but nobody, I haven't obviously had a spouse die or knock on wood, a parent die or or a sister or somebody like that, Um. But I can have, I've dealt with depression and I've dealt with anxiety my entire life. Mm-hmm. And I know that from experience that in that depression mm-hmm. is when like the greatest epiphanies and learning experiences happen. Like, do you, do you yeah. feel that? Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> here we, right. <laughs> oh. <laughs> right, right. No, I do say that there, there is a gift in grief. Yes. And that is, that is one of perspective. Like so much shit in the world doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. Oh my God. Go, go off. (laughs) 
go off. <laughs> it doesn't. Like, when I look back at the person that I was before, I did all the things that I should have done because I should go to this event because I should, because they expect me, because I said I would, because mm. I'll join the PTA, whatever. Okay, I didn't really join the PTA. I've always <laughs> stayed away from the PTA. <laughs> the PTA. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, PTA people. <laughs> right, but fuck y'all. <laughs> I, I'm not. I, I'll I'll bring cookies. Right, right, <laughs> and right. I'll tell you that I made them. <laughs> but really, I bought them from the nearest bakery <laughs> and put them on my plate. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> but uh, you know, I seriously, the perspective of what's important. Like, I let so much shit just roll off my back anymore. I don't care. Like, some somebody might, like, a friend might, oh, la, 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 la. And I'm like, it doesn't really matter. Like, just, just let it go. I promise. Right. Like, in the grand Nobody scheme cares. of things. Right, right. <laughs> because at the end of the day, we're all going to the, we all end up in the same place. You know what I mean? But, like, while we're here, that's, I feel like I've always been like that, very laid back. Um sometimes to a fault but like the way I think about it is what like what if you know what I mean like I'm not gonna hold a grudge with somebody or whatever because what if I get in my car after this interview to go check my P.O. box and on the way there a drunk driver comes you know what I mean like you just never friggin know but Tori, I think that's that's the thing about you. I think you're very emotionally uh, mature, and not everyone is. Not everybody is. And I know, you know, maybe I thought that I was, maybe I said that I was, and that made me feel better in my previous life, but I don't know that I was. Like, maybe I thought at some point that all of it mattered. Right, right. You know? Yeah. And I think that hindsight is twenty twenty two. because I mean, like... Oh, yeah, that's I- a bitch. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. A big one. Right. Yeah. I mean, I looked, I looked back at who I was, let's say, like, I have like vlogs of myself from three, four years ago. And I looked at myself, a video of myself the other night. And I remember in that moment when I was filming that video, I thought I was in a good place. And I really thought I had all my shit together emotionally. And I look at that person, I'm like, you little baby bitch like like who the fuck were you you know what I mean yeah so but that I mean that's part of being human too is a growing and evolving and always always moving into something better yeah absolutely progressing right do you do you okay so now you did this this (laughs) what what is it it's a course it's it's fucking magic (laughs) it's fucking hogwarts it's harry potter shit (laughs) like what the hell is it yeah okay so it's like it's a program called the grief recovery Mm. there is a book and so like with a client i would do they have a little bit of reading and then they have a little bit of homework because the grief recovery understands that uh you know when you're grieving you can only handle so much at a time Mm-hmm. And so um, there, there's some reading, there's some homework, and then we meet on a Zoom for, and we do it seven times. So I like that it's not like an indefinite amount of time. Like it's a right. curriculum that kind of builds to this fi- like finale project. That's awesome. And there's, yeah. And there's three components. So first of all, we talk about grief a little bit and uh, the misinformations and the myths of grief and why people say and do stupid shit that doesn't help us. Uh-huh. You know, everything happens for a reason. Fuck that! You know, no, it doesn't right. happen. God only gives you what he can handle. Well, <laughs> that's all, you know, really? I, I don't believe everything happens Like all of those, those, yeah. Yeah, yeah the you... intellectual conversations that people say to make them feel better. Right, 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 right. Which are bullshit, said, right? You yeah, would say. I said something nice to Carrie. Right. They don't mean to. It comes from a nice place. You know what I say? And you, I mean, okay, well, obviously, I, I'm sorry I keep interrupting you. But do you know what I say to people who are going through grief? Literally, and I don't even know if this is the right thing to say, but I literally say, there's nothing I can say. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's, there's nothing, nothing I can say. There is nothing that you can say to make it better. Right. 
I, I, like I know if my, one of my friends right now is dealing with the grief of a grandparent. And I said, I was like, there is nothing I can say out of my mouth that'll make you feel better or make this go away. But yeah. just know I'm a human body to rest your, sh- your head on. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's it. You yeah. Know? I remember um, Rachel, my oldest, had a friend come over to play. Like friends were so important after Eric died. Like it just, it gave them life, you know? Right, right. And the mom came in to check on me. And I, it was one of those times I was sitting on the couch for five hours, just staring off into space. And she came in and she sat right beside me and put her arm up over the couch. And I just fell into her and I cried. And I don't know how long we were there for. Um, we did not say a word. I just cried. Right. And I remember that moment so clearly and how much it meant to me. Because right. there's nothing she could have said. There, there isn't. What yeah. are you going to say? And so, so anyway, yeah. so the first yeah. part is this. Yeah, so we, so we talk about grief in general, and then we talk about um, your own personal grief journey, because, you know, we live in the positive vibes only world, you know, uh, uh, let's celebrate all the good things, but all the sad shit makes us feel uncomfortable. So please sweep that under the rug so that you can pull up your bootstraps and get back to work so that you right. look like you're okay. Right. Even right. though you're dead inside. Exactly. So, <laughs> so we talk about your own personal journey with grief. And then from there, we choose one of your losses, um, the one that would make the most impact on your heart. And then we move forward into the recovery components. And that's kind of the steps towards completion is what uh, the Grief Recovery Institute calls it. And completion is kind of like a semicolon. It's like, here is your story. Let's leave the pain and pull out everything, but mm. just leave the pain behind so that we remember, so that we don't forget. We don't leave your person in the dust because death does not end a relationship. Right. You know, you think of your uncle, even though he is not here. Always. Yeah. Things happen in your life and you think of him. That relationship continues. The basement floods. And I think of Eric. I might be mad at him, but you know what? He comes up. Right. Right. <laughs> are you are you still mad at him? Nah. No. I'm not. No, I'm not. Okay. So I got it all out of my system doing this program. <laughs> Do you well, that's it. And I feel like like I'm re- I reference my aunt a lot because yeah. um I know that the death of my uncle and he died in 2010 so 10 11 going on 11 years now yeah he'll be gone and she's still you know and I hope if you're watching don't take offense to this but she's still not anywhere near healed you yeah. know it's it's like she's like she's stuck yes yes she's stuck. uh-huh and um until hearing your story, like now, right now, hearing your story, it's like, is there any way for her to be unstuck? Yes. Yes, there is. Um, It's never too soon and it's never too late to be healed. You know, um, when Eric died, like you, when someone dies to and is close to you, or if you can relate, like someone's your age and you hear that they died a classmate or something, like it really, you feel your mortality. Yes. And so I remember thinking, I could die tomorrow. I could die tomorrow. Let's buy a golf cart. Because why the hell not? I might die tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like, this is running through your brain. And grief makes sense of it. Even though it's not logical, there's a disconnect between your heart and your head. So it makes sense to us. And and I remember meeting up with people and, and other widows that I knew in the area. Can I meet you for coffee? You know? And I remember sometimes leaving there going, I don't want to be stuck. Right. For 20 years. And I, this cannot be the rest of my life. I cannot feel this way for the rest of my life. And I remember um, telling a potential client once, because she was older. She was like, I don't know, you know, I might die tomorrow because I'm in my 70s or whatever. And I was like, yeah, but if I can heal you in seven sessions, then you can feel emotional freedom from the shackles of grief from your husband dying from 30 years ago. Right. Wouldn't that be worth it if you even just had two years? feel alive again exactly that that's it you know it's like um it's well for me at least like I would want to even if I had two days left to live on this earth I would want my two days to be emotionally free you know what I'm saying and I feel like when you're dealing with that grief it's almost like a fucking prison I I mean I'm I see my aunt you know and 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 she's still very much 
in this prison place and now she's dealing with the empty nest syndrome with her kids going off to college one of them already too right that's grief too because grief okay so get this so this is what i've learned becoming a grief recovery specialist okay? okay there's over 40 different losses that you can experience in your lifetime where you will feel grief empty definitely one of them it, yeah absolutely and i and i feel like um not to make this all about her but yeah. but i feel like um she feels still feels alone and lonely from the loss of of him of and course. now and now the kids leaving on top it's like yeah, <laughs> like, yeah it's compounding right it is it's exactly yeah so um, when i talk on my i so i have a facebook page and i go live i try to go live two or three times a week but i know one of the things i talk about is you know we sweep shit underneath our the rug yes. well so, you know, not that we're picking on your aunt, but, <laughs> but pick what's your aunt's name? M- Melissa. Melissa, yeah. we love you. We do love you. <laughs> we're talking about you because we love you. Exactly. And, and everyone can relate. But, you know, your aunt, you know, when her husband died, there's some shit that, you know, she did her best, but maybe she isn't completely healed. And that's unresolved grief, but we got to get on with life. So we're going to sweep it underneath the rug. Mm-hmm. Now we have this bump in the rug. But as we get older, more shit happens to us because life right? <laughs> and things happen. And so mm-hmm. all of that also gets swept under the rug because society conditions us not to deal with this. The grief. Grief is like the most taboo topic in the English speaking Western world. We'd have no problem talking about death and sadness, but we're not going to talk about the grief. And the grief is the stuff that lingers after something happens, right? Uh So we sweep all this shit underneath the rug. And now this tiny little bump has become huge. (laughs) Right. right. And you're either, you're either tripping on it or walking way around it to get to the other side through life. So what we do is we dig out everything. So yeah, it does feel like we're opening up a can of worms, but we deal with it because unresolved grief affects every aspect of your life regardless of whether or not you know it. So whether it be the chip on your shoulder, how patient you are, whether or not you're friendly to strangers at the grocery store, how, if, if you have road rage, Mm. that's the thing. Like I do not have road rage the way that I used to. And I know it's because of the perspective that I have, the healing that I've done. I'm not as angry about Eric dying. So you know what? I'm not as angry to strangers either. <laughs> right, right. Like live and let live, I guess. You can so come I, off. I uh I have this hashtag. I used to hashtag damn it Eric on on posts that I would make. Uh. And so I I had t-shirts made for the girls and I that said hashtag damn it Eric. And we went to Disney six months after Eric died, because you know that's the happiest fucking place on earth. Yes. And I wore my t-shirt. So we're waiting in line to meet Goofy. And, oh. you know, the, the people who are working are like, you know, they are, they're mingling and visiting with everyone in line to keep us happy. And, and she, this woman, poor soul, <laughs> walks up to me and she's like, who is Eric and why are we mad at him? Aww. And my kids, they knew it was coming. <laughs> they're like, bye, we're going to go to, <laughs> going to go on that ride. And uh, I was like, Eric is my husband and he died. Was she very uncomfortable about that? I, and I enjoyed it. <laughs> I was so, but th- that's something else. Like this dark humor, like I was hurting so badly. I wanted everyone around me to be hurt, even just for a fraction of a second. Right. Feel the way that you felt. Yeah. And they just take it from me right, for half right. a second and then give it back. Damn. It's just, it's crazy what grief can do to you. And when you deal with unresolved grief, it's almost like you become familiar with it. It becomes an old friend that you carry with you and you don't even know she's there. Right. She is. And she affects you in everything, future relationships, interactions with strangers, um, how you show up in life for work, for yourself it's literally like I've, I've, I've seen that, you know, and I, I don't think 
in my own experience, again, I haven't lost any, not to, not to minimal, minimize, minimize, minimalize. What's the fucking word I'm looking for? Not to minimize, it's minimize. Not to minimize the grief that I've gone through in my life. But for some reason, um, as sad as it makes me, I'll still, like, do you still, do you still find that even though you're healed, mm-hmm. do you still cry? About Eric? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, not as often. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't tear me. Like, if something were to trigger me, Mm-hmm. it would take me out for the day, the week, a couple of days. It's not like that anymore. Like I can cry. I can have my moment. I can miss Eric. I will say something to him and then I move on. You don't take residency in that. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. I feel like that's my experience with grief. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as I miss my grandmother and I will, memorialize her and and watch videos and hear her voice and want to cry yeah um it's not something that uh um takes up my entire life yeah you know um and i feel like there are people who oh i guess it's something you allow would you would you say that it's something you allow to happen like allow Uh, maybe because (sighs) the thing is especially with grief, like we, we sometimes feel like the grief is tied to our person. So we don't want to release the grief because then it, it might release her person from my memory right? or my heart, but that's not true. But sometimes people hang on to it, but not consciously. They're not like, I, I want to feel sad for the rest of my life. Right. So it's not like that. It's not like a willingness. It's kind of right. just something. I, okay. Well, and then you hear things too, like, you're going to grieve. You're always going to grieve him. Well, grief, missing him and grieving him are two different, different things. things. Can you explain that? <laughs> Just explain that. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> um, so when Eric died, mm-hmm. I was grieving Eric. I had, com- and grief is complicated emotions. I had this wonderful life. Eric, I love you so much. We have this beautiful life. I can't believe you're dead. I hate you. I Why are you dead? You're, you know, it makes me so sad. So you have these two complicated emotions that are battling it out. And you're dealing with all of the regrets of what I should have done or said different, better, or more. Plus you're dealing with the conflicted emotions of unactualized future and hopes and dreams that you you were hoping to have with your person. So all of that's ripped away. That is grieving. And it's this war inside of your heart. Okay. Okay? So grief is the war. Grief is the internal war. Yes. Now mourning is how you show the war to everyone else. Okay. So when people say, oh, she's mourning, it's because you can see she's mourning. Right. Wearing black, crying. Wearing black, crying, taking it out, wearing the damn Eric shirt and making people feel like shit, you know, things like that. (laughs) Okay, that's mourning. Okay. Suffering is something else too. That's that's suffering is just something that you do to yourself. Okay. You know, because you're just sitting it and you're spiraling. And and the thing is when you're suffering from grief, you can't help it. Like all the strategies that we know, affirmations and life coaching strategies, they don't work when you are suffering you from suffer. grief. Because there's a disconnect from your heart and your head. And then there's missing your person. And that's, have, he- that's healthy, I would assume. That is healthy. You okay. don't ever want to forget your person. Right. You don't ever want to stop loving them. You can't. Uh, you can't. Right. Yeah. So- and so I, I'm missing Eric. I miss Eric. I wish he was here. Uh, I was looking through some old photos the other day, finding something for, for Rachel, and I ran across Eric's ice bucket challenge with the football team. Oh, my God. Oh, man. He had, like, 100 kids with, you know, Home oh. Depot five-gallon buckets that they loaned them for the ice bucket challenge. It's, like, two, uh, 2012, I think. And I I had to look it up because I'm like, when was the ice bucket challenge a a trend, you know? (laughs) And so I found it and, you know, I'm listening to his voice and I'm seeing him from afar and, you know, I'm watching him pour ice on himself and then run and like just bump all the players. And, and, you know, I'm watching that and I'm smiling really bigly, you know, and I'm, I'm just, and I, I said, 
to this computer that I'm sitting at right now. God, I miss you, Eric. Right. You know, but whereas was- before mm-hmm. it would have taken me down for days. Right. I, that's the difference. That's the difference. So it's like, cause I feel like us as human beings, obviously who aren't hopefully nobody in that I know or, or, in my nearest viewership has dealt with grief that much that they're a fucking expert in it without taking a course. You know what I mean? Like hopefully. So I feel like as lay people who don't really deal with grief like that, like even me, until you just explain that and broke it down, that there are different facets that you can miss somebody without grieving over them or without suffering about their loss that didn't even register like to me mm-hmm. you know do you f- you feel yeah. like that that's like I mean you you probably know working with your clients like that that's something yeah well that people don't know because we don't talk about it we don't talk about the grief which is the right. shit that lingers after something sad happens yeah right yeah and like you can um like you can, like you just said, you can watch a video of somebody who has passed or or is no longer in your life and say, you know, like you can miss them, but with positive emotions, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, you know, ah. when people used to say, oh, Carrie, you just have to feel this, which is true. Time will heal. Not true. Time heals nothing. Time just allows you to get familiar with the sadness so mm. she becomes an old friend. And you don't even realize that she's still just hanging out with you. Shit. Yeah. I guess you're right. Like it's not because people would say that, you know, it's like you don't ever get over it. You get used to it. You yeah. Know? It doesn't have to be that way though. It doesn't. And we don't know that. No, we don't know that. Because I, I mean, you don't know it until you have to go through it. And then sometimes we just accept it. And at one point I was accepting it. Okay. This is my life. Right. I will this, always be like this. This is my new and, normal. Yeah. And then when I was trying to figure out how to be that grief counselor or therapist or something, I was like, ah, too much school for me. You know, <laughs> I was like, too much. I don't got that time. I might die tomorrow, you know, like, right. and then I run across the grief recovery and I'm reading and ab- absorbing all of that stuff. And I'm like, there's a better way. This is the playbook, but nobody knows, knew it. And this, this program has been around for 40 years and colleges are studying it for its effectiveness. But nobody knows about it, which is why I'm so fucking passionate about sharing about it, because you don't know about it until it happens. But when it happens, people tell you, time will heal you. Right. You're always going to grieve them. That's not true. It doesn't have to be true. Would you say you'll always miss them? Yes. But you don't have to grieve them? Yes. Okay. But... If you say that to someone in the freshness of deep, dark grief, they, they will wanna, say, fuck you, Right, Corey. they want to punch you in the face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they want to throw heavy cans of soup at you, you know? Like, <laughs> how will I not ever grieve him? I remember feeling that way. I remember, right. I remember a girlfriend, uh, this was kind of pivotal because it always kind of just stuck with me. And she goes, Carrie, at some point you're going to look back at this time and you're going to think gosh that was a really hard time I'm glad I'm not there anymore and I remember when she said it like I held on to it for some hope but at the same time I was like fuck you like I am always gonna feel this how will I not feel it right this intensely so did you feel like you almost had to feel that way in order to be a good wife like I have to grieve him for the rest of my life because yeah. if I don't, then that means I don't love him or whatever, you know? Yes. Um, and yeah. I have to look sad. And I can't look like I'm okay. Right. Even though, and that's conflicting too, because the rest of the world wants me to be okay. But if I look too okay, she must not have really loved Eric. Right. And oh that may God. not have been true, but that was my perception of it. Right, right. And so that's why people hang on to things and don't do things. Or that's why they go shopping at a grocery store or have a first date or meet someone for coffee two hours away from their home so that they don't run into someone that might know them. 
like because they feel like almost like they're che- cheating or whatever, yeah. especially with a spouse. Absolutely. Well, and it's not like Eric and I would have ever gotten a divorce. We would not have. Right. You guys would be ma- well. I mean, so mm-hmm. if Eric were still here, we'd still be married. You'd still be married to this day. Mm-hmm. Do you? Okay, so you say that people think that the key to to everything is just grieving and just getting used to the grief, but it doesn't have to be that way. So then what would you say is like the key to healing? The key to healing is to review when your person dies, you automatically go into what's called a relationship review. And so you're constantly like digging out every moment, interaction, little, big, anything that was like a Instagram story that you might have shared, you know, every tiny little thing and you review it and it weighs you down. The grief recovery method has you do that. And what we do is we pull, we open up the can of worms and we pull out every stone and rock and boulder in a particular relationship and we deal with each one so that you're not harboring anything that might fester up later from underneath the rug right does that make sense yeah so it's basically like opening pandora's box yeah and it's not it's not easy and sometimes i think that that's why people may not want to do this work when they discover it they may mm. be like, I don't know, that might, sounds a little uncomfortable. And it is, I know, I've done it four yeah. times. I it's mean, like- I, I worked on my relationship with Eric, but once you learn how to do this, you can work at, with any loss that you've ever had in your life. And every time you do it, you get lighter and lighter and you feel better and better. And then any, as life continues, you know, you're going to have more losses. So you can work on it with future losses too. Right. Would you say that, I mean when we're even even when somebody it's not like necessarily like you said there are 40 different types of Mm -hmm. uh situations that we grieve Mm -hmm. not all of them obviously are death correct i would assume that most of them actually aren't death correct i mean empty nesting yeah basically when you when you grieve a loss a loss is any kind of change in your normalcy your life Mm-hmm. So even if, like, I left teaching, I loved teaching. Middle school math was my jam. Can I say jam? <laughs> Is that still a thing? You can say jam, jam. jam I'm showing my age. <laughs> I say jam too. So fuck okay. It. Well, I loved teaching middle schoolers. Right? It was so much fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was really excited about staying at home with my daughters. You know. Yeah. And so, and I knew that that was going to be good. And so I was excited about leaving teaching and God, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm so glad I'm not teaching now during COVID. (laughs) Holy shit. Teachers, I am so sorry. And I pray for you every day. Right. No, they're going through it. (sighs) So, but, so I'm leaving teaching. Well, guess what? I still grieved that even though I was looking forward to what's to come. Anytime you, you move, you might grieve the loss of the home. Even if you're looking forward to the newer, bigger house that's going to have the better bedroom for you that with a better window or something, like right. you're leaving a space that you're used to. And I mean, that's grief. And that you can still feel some grief from that. So like when you move, you should walk through every room and kind of do a con Marie. Thank you so much for, you know, holding my babies when I brought them home from the hospital. Right, right. You know, hallway that my dog has puked on everywhere. <laughs> Thank you. For still being here. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Floor, for absorbing this vomit. Right. Now I'm kind of poking fun at it, but still, I mean, you, I mean, it it will help your release when you're moving to say goodbye to every space. Right. You know, and just kind of recall something that happened. I mean, moving, moving areas. And when you're a child, if you are forced to move, I mean, you don't have any say when you're a kid. Right. So that could be traumatic for you. You Go ahead. No, no, no. I was going to say, I can imagine. Yeah. You you have no say. Yeah. It's like you're, it's like a dictatorship. Yeah. Changing jobs, changing, or when uh, maybe a coworker leaves and goes to a different job and you're really, really happy for her, but God, you miss her. Yeah. Wow. I didn't even realize like little things, things like that. Things we don't even realize on a daily basis affect us in that way 
And I feel like that's where like fucking abandonment issues come from and you know, like all of that. Would you put a time frame on the healing process? When you're ready. When you're ready. Only you know when that is. I mean, sometimes people are like, oh, you're gonna feel like this, it's gonna hurt like this for a year. Well, there's no magical rope at the end of the year mark, like it's a race. Right, right. You know, All right, it's been 365 days. I'm ready to feel good now. Like, yeah. you know. Yeah. The time heals nothing, you know. Right. But society thinks, oh, it's been a year. I remember before Eric died, a friend of mine, someone that I knew, uh, her husband died. Three years later, um, Eric came home and said, hey, guess what? So-and-so is getting married. I was like, already? It's only been three years since her husband died. Right, right, right. I can't tell you how many times I've thought of that since Eric died. How and, dare I? And you're in a you're you're in a happy relationship now, right? I am with Mr. Match. Mr. Match. That's what I call, what I call him. He has okay. a name, but publicly I call him Mr. Match because okay. I feel sorry for him because he doesn't really know what he's gotten into. <laughs> he does, but <laughs> but not really. But not really. <laughs> like in in March it'll be 2 years. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. So, and you said it's been five years since Eric passed? Four. It'll be four, four years. Four. Okay. In, in February, it'll be four. So, and really he was unexpected. I mean, we could do a whole nother call on that. Like I, <laughs> like I felt like I had worn out the welcome of my, um, my social crew of my married friends. Mm. Oh my <laughs> and, God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I really need to increase my own personal social life because I can't, my social life can't be wrapped up in my kids while I love them. I need an adult social life. Right. I was like, oh, I'll join match and bumble and, you know, just see what happens. It's fucking scary out there, by the way. Uh- <laughs> it's no better for lesbians, by the way. <laughs> I'm telling you that. <laughs> so I'm out there and really I'm just thinking I'm going to go out and just, you know what? I've got a following online from my video business and I'm keeping that page alive until I figure out what the fuck I'm going to do. I'll just great, create great content with online dating in your forties as a widow. And, uh, I, I, I mean, I do, I do have some good stories, but the fourth person that I met on a date was Mr. Match. Ooh. And he is also a widower. And so, uh, we had that in common and I love that in our relationship, um, Eric and his wife are very much alive in our relationship. Aww. That's amazing too. You know, yeah. that it's a that, gift. Yeah. I, almost. It's like, almost like Eric's like, here, here's somebody that you can relate to. And maybe, yeah. you know what I mean? Like uh, on a spiritual and he's level. All the things. Yeah. And he's all the things. Eric was an incredible husband and father and partner and man, but Mr. Matches all the things, um, well, that Eric was because they both have incredible character and values, and and I love that about them. But um, you know, Eric and I didn't hold hands in public. We weren't lovey dovey. He didn't have to sit beside me on the couch and dote on me. You know, we just didn't have that relationship. We did our shit, and we came together, and it was awesome. We had two kids, so sex right. twice. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we had sex at least two times. Just twice. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, but I mean, we just weren't uh, affectionate. You know. Right. And, and I didn't know that I n- missed that or needed it, but I definitely need it in this chapter of life. And Mr. Match provides that emotional need for me. That's and uh, he's just wonderful. He really is. That's amazing. But he came by accident. I, like, I, I really wasn't looking for him. I was looking for content. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking for shit to talk about on my yeah. video. Oh, man. That's another time. <laughs> I'm going to have to have you back then to talk about this shit then. Yeah. because. So now, before I let you go, yes. Um, the the last question I have, and I definitely want to have you back because there's so much I feel like I still want to talk to you about. Um, and you're fucking awesome, by the way. Oh well, thank you. I've enjoyed this. This has been fun. So have I. So have I. (laughs) What would you say to anybody out there? Like, what would be your best piece of advice to anybody out there dealing with any type of grief? Yeah. Um, What I would say is what you are feeling is normal and natural and exactly what you should be feeling right now. Um, You don't have to suffer 
for the rest of your life. This is not the end all. It can be better. Look for it. Wow. That's what I would say. Okay. I'm going to take that advice too anyway for myself as yeah. well. Because I feel like that is a message that we all need to kind of hear sometimes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I look back on my life sometimes. I, I do a lot of reflection that I never used to do before. And I think about how I've been led to this work and where I am in my life right now. Every little thing mattered, even all the fucked up pieces that right. I messed up with, you know? Yeah. But it's because of all of it that I'm here. And this is exactly where I'm supposed to be right now. Right. Don't give up. Don't, don't um, yeah. let it, well, don't not let it linger, but like know that it gets better kind of thing, I yeah. guess. Life does get better. Yeah, that's always. Yeah, just keep pushing forward. You're fucking amazing. I would love to have you back. Let's do it anytime. Um, and thank you so much for for your time. I know you're freaking busy with everything, but Uh, um, you know, you got 15 minutes, and I got a client. (laughs) Well, go do your thing. Thank you so much. Seriously, thank you. Thank you, Tori.